0: joining me, everyone. Uh, But thank you for joining me for this podcast with Julie Haller. And so then moving on, I think, into first year, of course, as soon as they start classes, they do their service selection. So, and their service selection and service assignment. Service selection is when they list their top six or so requests of the Navy uh, in order of preference of where they'd like to serve. And then sometime in November before Thanksgiving break, typically, they will get their service, service assignment from big Navy. What can you tell us about service assignment? It's such an exciting time.
1: Oh yeah. That just the selection. I mean, like I said, my son had to put his in just last week and just building up to that. They still like, I mean, you experienced kind of at the last minute, they think you think they know what they want the whole time. And then the last minute, like, oh no, I'm putting this first. Like, wait, what? So. Yeah, so they get to rank order them, and generally, certain you know, kind of some unspoken rules. If you want to go Marines, you want to put something Marine as your first and second choice. Basically, if you have Marine as your second choice and not your first, in likelihood, you won't get selected for Marine.
0: Probably, I think they made it, they made they started making an exception was it last year or the year before, where if you have SEALs or EOD, like a special warfare community first, and you have Marine second, then you would get considered for Marines. But yeah, if you have, like, That's exactly right. low yep. and, and Marines, you're not going to get Marines, so.
1: Correct, yeah. And then some people end up, you know, some communities are very short staffed that particular year, so they are kind of voluntold to go to that community. Um, subs is sort of notorious for that.
0: That's so. very true. You get sub, quote, unquote, drafted. Um, yep. And there are also service assignments that require interviews and such, such as subs that we've mentioned. But for example, my oldest went SWOIP and so about 200 mids interviewed for about two spots that were available in SWOIP. And uh, he ended up being one of the two spots. Interesting because he was not at the top of the merit order. He was more in the 600s. Uh, so merit order does play a role, but I think uh, being able to interview well, knowing the, the, the subject matter, and I think being well-rounded, because he was in Glee Club, he did fencing, he had so many like different things. He wasn't just academics and engineering. From what he said, he said that that's definitely what helped him, is that he was well-rounded. So that's something to think about as well.
1: Yes, that's great advice because I don't think we tend to think of that as parents in high school. You know, we were all into, you know, make sure you're involved in everything, but going through the academy, it's not something I really thought of, but all of my kids were involved in things like, you know, my girls were in girls on the run where they'd go off campus and work with young girls, you know, kind of with leadership and running as sort of a mentor program and just getting involved in those things is really important to your service selection.
0: Yeah. Midshipman Action Group. If they're in officer's fellowship or uh, they're in their either sport. I mean, there are so many things. It's not even funny, like drum and bugle corps or any, any, any other group that just gives you like, exposure to just something different that can help make you well-rounded always helps.
1: For us actual service assignment, they're excited and they can't wait, but it can also be not a, not the happiest of time for some, because some have put, you know, just their last three and a half years into a certain service selection and then when they you know are sitting in they get their assignment it's not exactly what they had hoped for and hopefully we prepare them for that and just say you know you're gonna bloom where you're planted yes but it's 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 hard on them when they you know have really hoped for something and and put their heart and soul into training for it and then not get selected and then have to kind of shift gears to something completely different.
0: That's so true. And you just see the excitement in their face. And what I also mentioned in my book is you see how closely knit these mids are because for the ones that don't get their first choice, the other mids just come around them and just support them. And we, we saw that with some of our sons and daughters, best friends, and and it's just admirable. The other thing too, is that even if they get their first choice, I know, for example, in my son's class, two or three of his best friends got their service assignment, but then went through medicals and were disqualified for that service assignment medically Um, There was one that was allowed to graduate but didn't commission because of a medical condition that they found. So they will be going through medicals uh, throughout their first year. And there are some communities that are very stringent about their medicals. I know with aviation, they measure your the length of your trunk, the length of your femur, like just to make sure that you're going to fit into that tight jet seat. I think they do do a, a medical screener for subs as well. Cause I remember my youngest went through that. I'm not
1: exactly sure the specifics, but it's a lot of it is kind of some testing on, you know, are they going to be psychologically able to go into this, you know, the, the small cam- spaces <laughs> and not be claustrophobic things like that. And they, they, I think they also have the same thing, height restrictions for subs as well. So if you're mainly like too tall, there's um, certain restrictions on that. But some of the some of the things that you know they've they've come in thinking they're healthy and everything's great. But then when they get to these medicals, it's things they didn't even think of that would disqualify them from their communities that they you know had hoped to be in or things that had happened while they were at the academy it's like oh yeah that knee injury well now you're not eligible for this community or and and that's again another thing it's like oh yeah I worked so hard I I got this and now I'm being told I and even worse like you said some you know a couple of my kids friends didn't commission they were allowed to graduate but they didn't commission because yeah. they 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 had things that happened to them while they were at the academy that made them not commissionable.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Or sometimes they'll, uh, as you mentioned, depending on either the results or something that happened, instead of going active duty, sometimes they'll go restricted. That can be disappointing as well. So it's always good to just talk, I think, and just mental like you mentioned before, mentally prepare them for that. And then of course, after all of that's done and if, and they're working on their capstone project. So every midshipman has to have a capstone kind of like a thesis where they have this either project, whether it's engineering, it would actually be something they build or develop. If it's, uh, my daughter did two capstones because she had not enough to do of course, um, and did two, uh, she was an English major. So she wrote two different papers um, and whatever, they would have to do for their capstone they're working on this along with their uh, responsibilities uh, academically and then with leadership because right now they're running the show right they're they're the ones that are in charge they are the ones that are the brigade commanders they're the ones that are in the brigade staff company staff at all levels uh, they're the ones that are running the show
1: Right. Yeah. And they're setting kind of the tone for the whole brigade for that year because they're kind of in charge of different policies, that kind of thing. And they also, I think, I believe, have a leadership capstone that they all have to do kind of a milit on the military side. So they have yeah. their major capstone and then they have the leadership one. So yes. there it's, it's a busy time getting ready for especially come spring when those projects are due.
0: Yes, definitely. I remember uh, my, my oldest was a brigade PAO. So anytime that they needed a midshipman to interview or anytime there was a, you know, an announcement that had to be made or any, anything to do with like spirit videos, or I mean, a ton, anything having to do with public affairs and the brigade went through the, this kid. And later on, I heard from their roommates that there was literally a line outside his door of people that needed to see him for this, that, or the other. And the roommates would just kick him out. And it's like, can I wait? No, you cannot wait. Get out of my room. Oh
1: my and gosh.
0: So, and, and so that's, especially when they're at a company level or a brigade position or a battalion position, it's a myriad of responsibilities that they have just in leadership alone that, that eats up their time. So for parents, be understanding it's exciting, but they're also very busy. And then of course, Julie, everything points toward commissioning Commissioning. commissioning week. Yeah. Um, so what can you tell us about your triple going to be quadruple experience about commissioning week? Oh
1: gosh. So, um, it never gets old. I'll tell you that. I mean, we just, it's, just such a fabulous time on the yard everyone is just it's just such a joyful happy time and um being having gone through it three times and then knock on wood hopefully four um it there's always still something new I mean I see the I see the blue angel every single time and every single time it's just as phenomenal Mm. it's just a, a busy week but again I think you touched on you know Kind of let your firstie set the pace on things. Some things like you might really want to go to, but they're like, no, I really don't want to do that. So kind of take that. Some things you can do without them. It's like, okay, well, you don't want to go, we're gonna go do this. But um, really take their feelings into consideration. They may have plans to go to you know other part. You know, a lot of graduation parties that week, Mm -hmm. and some will be just just your mid. You know, it's not a thing that parents go to. So give them that space to do that kind of thing. Cause they want to spend time with their friends that they're not going to see for who knows how long. And they're also going to be super busy that week. So don't go in expecting you're going to be with them 24 seven, because they have so many obligations. They have to be in, or a lot of times they have to muster early in the morning. Yeah. They, so they won't even stay at with seven.
0: You. Right. Yeah. At seven. And that's every, every day they have to be at seven.
1: Yeah. So sometimes ours, you know, we wouldn't even stay with us. They'd stay. if Some of the time, one of the homes we had was kind of far out. So they would stay closer in or stay even in the, in the dorm or two of mine had apartments by that time, because they were going to do TAD on the yard. So they um, would stay at their apartment that was closer to the yard, rather than in the the house we had, just so they could get there quickly. And so So kind of being flexible, knowing that there's going to be, be ready to do things on your own because they're going to have lots of obligations on the yard.
0: Yeah, we, we definitely opted to not have a set schedule. We only, and I, and again, I discussed this in my book, we only asked for three things. So it was the grad ball. Of course, the soups reception was mutual. So, but for uh, things that we asked for amid was the grad ball the family dinner, um, uh, on Thursday. And then we had a breakfast on Wednesday morning, right after their practice, cause they have a couple of hours that are kind of free. Mm-hmm. And so those were the only three things that we asked and the rest of the time was his. And I think he really, really appreciated not having the pressure of having to be there. And we also, as you mentioned, set expectation with family that, and guess that they're not really going to see it. And and then they might be pleasantly surprised that they do get to see more of him or her than they thought. Uh, But it's important to set those expectations so that there are no hurt feelings. And so that your first, doesn't have any or feel any more pressure than they are already under. So I have a podcast on, Commissioning week and kind of uh, logistics and directions. So I would direct you to my, uh, my commissioning bootcamp podcast. And what I'd like to ask you specifically about commissioning is when things don't go as expected during commissioning week, what can parents do? And again, this is one of the things that, for example, one of his friends found out that he wasn't going to be able to commission commissioning week crazy Uh, but that's the way that it happened and maybe some guests don't get to come in or uh, something happens how do we how do we roll when things don't go as expected julie what do you think
1: that's sad when they find out commissioning week i Mm -hmm. mean it's just a blow to everyone hopefully the four years up to this point uh, sometimes five of simper gumby has helped with this definitely being there for your mid when things don't go as expected supporting them and trying to make the most out of the situation. I know some um, it's, they may have rented their house for the week, but then Mm -hmm. especially like if they're in track and field mids, their nationals are during commissioning week. So if yay, my, my first team made nationals, but now where, you know, where am I gonna be? Am I gonna be watching them at nationals? Am I gonna be on the yard for commissioning week? So I don't miss out on these important milestones. Are we gonna divide and conquer? Mm-hmm. And you don't know that they don't know that they made nationals until just before commissioning. I mean, really, it's like maybe a couple of weeks ahead of
0: time. So yeah, that happened it, with my daughter-in-law. Actually, she, they uh, she was in the lacrosse team that made nationals, and so they had to skip commissioning, and they ended up having their own like private commissioning ceremony afterward. But they missed everything.
1: Yeah. And if like, say like, so the national, it's actually like the national qualifiers first and then for track. And then the nationals are held after commissioning. So if your first team qualifies for the actual nationals, they can't even commission and graduate yet. So they oh, wow. go and compete in nationals and then they commission and graduate after. So you're like, it's like, wait a minute. What so happened? it's just, Yeah. So there are unexpected things that happen during commissioning week. And again, if just trying to be flexible and um, Simper gumbies just stays true all the way through. And then even as they go out in the fleet, um, I would say I wanted to touch back on commissioning week. Also, one of my favorite things that you mentioned was the soup garden party. Mm-hmm. So that's one I would, and usually the, your grad's going to want to go to that, but it's just, that's kind of the highlight has always been our highlight of commissioning week. So
0: I agree. Soup's garden party along with the blue angels for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. We had one year, I think it may have been my 2019, while we were there, the blue angels came in to the soups garden party and there's one of them sitting at our table while we're eating. So it was, oh, it was pretty cool.
0: That's yeah, so fun. Actually, during one of the garden parties, it was so funny because we met the CNO, Admiral Richardson at the time, and we are talking about our kids, of course, because that's what midparents do, and mentioned our daughter. And he's like, Oh, I want to meet her. Where's she? She's like, Well, she's not here. And so my husband like texted her, the CNO wants to meet you. And she's like, Yeah, right. And he's like, No, 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 really. And so she texts me, Mom, is it true? Because oh dad's always a jokester, so right? And so within five minutes, she had changed into her like ceremonial dress or whatever or summer whites and had and was there and got to meet the cno so be prepared for anything anything can happen exactly yep so true and so we get through commissioning week commissioning day which is so uh emotional and especially for the mids because chances are that's the last time they'll all be together until probably the 10-year reunion because at the five-year reunion everybody's still all over the place And then they go into the fleet or Marine Corps. And that's a very different experience. So you mentioned TAD and that's temporary assigned duty. So a lot of them do stay on the yard for TAD until they have to report to their uh, first duty station. And I'd like to kind of refer parents to my podcast uh, with my friend, Jess. And it's on surviving the fleet and deployments. And it's a great podcast from the spouse and from the enlisted point of view and, and how um, officers can, from her point of view, can, can help their enlisted. And She survived like six deployments as a spouse over a span of 15 years. So that's a great podcast to listen to as far as that. But what can you tell us about your kid's deployment? And then I'll mention a couple of things about mine. So
1: um, fortunately, so my first two, they both went aviation originally and um, both ended up dropping. um, Mainly they had a medical dropped from being a pilot. And so they went into one, went into the civil engineering corps, and one went into human resources. So neither of them have deployed, um, knock on wood. So I'm actually experiencing my first deployment right now because my 2019 Submariner is somewhere under the sea. So, and it's it's difficult because she, especially with her, she's one that we are in frequent contact with. And, you know, we've got a couple of emails, that's it. We can send her emails, but when she gets them, is kind of, she kind of will get a lump at a time. Mm-hmm. So just the lack of communication and and not knowing where she is, 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 is unnerving really. So lots of, lots of prayers for that one.
0: Yeah. And it's very difficult in a way it's like please summer all over again, but they're not safely in the yard. Now they're out in the real world. And I think exactly. that got my heart the most yeah. and you don't, you don't hear from them. And then the thing that I clung to the most, and I've mentioned this many times is that no news is good news. And the other thing I cling to is ignorance is bliss because there were stories that I heard post-deployment that I am glad I did not know or I would not have survived. And the other thing that I would say besides the lack of communication and and know that they will communicate when they can, but it's very sparse, like you said, like maybe a couple of emails in a span of months. Like our oldest was deployed for nine months and over the span of nine months, I think we got five emails. And they were in the middle of planning a wedding too. So that just gives you an idea of the little uh, communication that there is. But also when they first get to their first duty station, in the case of my oldest, he was assigned, they changed his assignment. So he thought he was going into the cyber and all of a sudden he's over, he's engineering and he's going to be in charge of both engineering divisions and it's a steam plant. And he's like, uh okay then and so the first time he meets all his sailors there are 80 90 sailors and they're all looking at him and he's like I have no clue what I'm doing here like what and and so he called us three days in a row which I knew right away and you know Julie they these kids never reach out and I knew that that something was going on I knew that that this kid was stressed and so we just said look you know this Reach out to your master chief. They're going to guide you. They're going to mentor you. Reach out to your warrant officers because he, since he was over two divisions, he had two of each. So talk to your master chiefs, talk to your, get to know your sailors, get to know what they do, learn. Don't be afraid to say you don't know. And after about three days, he stopped calling and we figured, okay, he's starting to get this. Uh, So don't be surprised if you get a call and you have a a, a brand new officer that's like a deer in the headlights. And they'll just direct them to their master chief. Just tell them they've survived leave summer. They've survived four years at the academy. They have a learning curve and they will survive this too. And you're back to being the encourager. You're back to being the hand holder until they're ready to move on their own. Did you have anything of that sort with with your officer that deployed?
1: I haven't really heard much from her because she's currently deployed, but she, so originally she was assigned a boat that was in, um, in dry dock so she they actually put her on a different one uh, just so she could get her get the experience and some of the calls that she needed to be deployed so she's she went onto to a boat that isn't even her crew that she's used to and let you know nothing so wow. she was very nervous about that at first so kind of in the same situation she's like you know I'm going into kind of the unknown mm-hmm. um, but from her emails it sounds like she's kind of straighten things out with that. And she's feeling comfortable. She's gotten mm-hmm. some of the quals that she needs. And, and surprisingly, she said she loves the food. So she said they feed us great. So I was like, Whoa, <laughs> so, so that was a plus. Cause she's, you know, her, her meals are kind of like, she loves to cook and loves to create meals. So I know that was, she was kind of concerned about that. And my son-in-law, he's a helicopter pilot. So he has deployed, he was gone for probably um, almost not quite a year, almost a year in Japan. And so dealing with my daughter, his wife on her first, his first deployment was also kind of some of the same mentoring for her on dealing with not hearing from him and being away. And, and then if incidents happen that you hear about and and you don't hear from them right away, of course, that causes undue worry because sometimes they get on communication lockdowns, if there's any type of training incident. And so you're worried because you haven't heard from them, but they can't because they're not allowed to communicate for a certain amount of time. So
0: that is true.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's where for me, like no news is good news. Exactly. It's To me, it's like a lifesaver. Um, Because you don't want to hear anything, right? Unless it's from them directly. So exactly. um, The other thing uh, with Deployments is I'm glad that the food in the subs is good because on the ships, I think it got old really fast. <laughs> and yeah. at some point my oldest said I, that when cause so I, i mentioned this before as well. I, I was able to be on a tiger, tiger cruise on a ship for nine days. And when they returned from deployment and by the way, their deployment was extended by a month. And, but that can also happen. And so he said that every day is pretty much the same as the other and they start to meld one into the other. And the only way that he could tell what day it was was by the food that was being served. Because every Tuesday, for example, was Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Tuesday Yeah, so it was roast beef, whatever. So (laughs) did your daughter say the same thing? Oh yeah, she she did say that. She said the food's good, but
1: it's like a definite pattern. Like every Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. Every um, Monday is... (laughs) <laughs> this every Thursday seafood or something, so it's definitely they knew what
0: day it was based on what was being served. That's so, so funny, yeah. And so that's with deployments, but with some communities, for example, with the sub community, with aviation community, SEALs have to go through buds. Of course, they have schoolhouse and training. And uh, can you uh, talk a little bit about the the Marines? They they go through TBS and then. Uh, with subs and then I can talk a little bit about aviation.
1: Sure. Yeah, so the Marines, as you mentioned, TBS, that's the basic school. So they'll um, go through that. Usually upon graduation, once they commission, they kind of get, depending on their um, order of merit sort of thing, they get to pick their date for mm-hmm. when they're gonna start TBS. And it can go anywhere from missing their 30 days basket leave all the way up to like not starting until October or November. So. Mm-hmm. Depending on what date they go, they may have, you know, temporary duty somewhere, usually on the yard. And then they go to the the basic school. And while they're in basic school, as they get close to finishing that, that's if they're not going aviation, if they're going into another MOS, then they'll um, find out what community they're going into, some supply, logistics, um, human resource, you know, there's a whole whole line of things It's different than with going into a Navy community because they go to all sort of all lines, even support fields coming out of, Mm -hmm. if they're going Marine ground, some go into combat operations. It all depends on what they select um, and what they're selected for. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: if they're aviation, so they have to go through the basic school first, then they go into the pipeline to get into aviation. So Mm -hmm. it's a long, and then sub school, They go, um, some will be Bowman scholars. So they'll go to Naval Postgraduate School first and get their master's and then they'll go to start nuclear power school. Some will go right from after their basket leave, they'll go to nuclear power school, then to prototype school where they actually learn the actual submarine. So the first year is basically just nuclear power. It's not um, related to actually the functions on the sub. Mm -hmm it's more the nuclear reactors on the subs. And then they move to the prototype school. Then they go to their actual, you know, they find out their assignment for their actual boat and, and we'll go there. So a year and a half, two years in, they're finally getting to their
0: wow, assignment. That's permanent a base. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned boat. So subs are called boat and ships are ships. So like surface warfare is ships. Mm-hmm. and I had kind of forgotten that about the sub-community, that the, the submarines are boats and that ships.
1: Anyway. Yeah, I was confused about that too. I'm like, wait, why do you keep saying boat? You're going on a sub. She's like, yeah, we call them boats.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny, <laughs> and then with aviation community, now there's also SWO, so my oldest was SWO, and so they get uh, assigned to a ship and they actually get to choose their ship during ship selection, which happens usually in January of their first year. I like to call it the NFL draft without the money, but all the bling. And they get to choose their ship. Some are blue chipped, meaning they probably had a surface cruise at some point on that ship. And they chain of command really felt that this particular mid would bring uh, a lot to the table. So they have offered him a like a, a blue chip, a direct uh, selection they've reserved a spot for this mid on that sh- on that ship and some mids choose that blue chip and and some don't then they'll get out to their duty station and then they have to begin their calls so quals can take anywhere from 18 months to two years and some calls are on land but most of them are underway. And so if you have a ship that's dry docked, that's really going to set you back as far as getting qualifications. And as you mentioned, Julie, also where where your daughter was sent on a different sub because her sub was dry docked, the same thing happens with SWO. Uh, Sometimes they'll just put you on a ship, which happened to my daughter-in-law, just to get her um, qualifications done while they're underway. When they complete all their qualifications, they have to go through all these boards, they have to be tested, and then the final board, and they call it the murder board. So officers and non-commissioned officers can ask you any question about anything in the Navy. It could be pregnancy leave, it can be anything, and you have to know the answer to whatever they ask you. And so finally, once you're done with that, you get your PIN. In my son's case, then he transferred to IP, and then he had to start the qualification process all over again in the IP community. So it just depends. And then, of course, aviation can be TAD on the yard. You actually get to choose the date that you start, again, based on merit order. And they, that you would go to Pensacola and you start with knife is the first level. And then you go to primary. And then if you're a, a pilot, you'll, you'll break off from everybody starts together, NFO and pilots, and then the pilots break off. For their pilot training, and then the NFOs continue on to their intermediate and, and advanced, and then they get assigned their aircraft and they go to their aircraft specific training. Same thing with pilots, and then pilots can complete their training either uh, in Milton after they're finished the training in Pensacola. Milton's like a half hour away, they can continue their pilot training there, or they can go to Corpus Christi, I believe. And I think helicopter training, if I'm not mistaken, is in Texas. Uh, but don't quote me on that. That's kind of a little bit about aviation. Now, interesting, sometimes they get backed up. Sometimes they have selected too many NFOs. Sometimes they've selected too many pilots. And right now, for example, there is a multi-month delay in pilots getting started with training. So now they're getting starting to get sent off to San Diego For temporary duty, they're getting sent off to Norfolk for temporary duty so because they don't want them sitting around for six, eight months until they start their training. So do expect that as well. And again, just Semper Gumby. And the other thing I wanted to add, Julie, talking about the Bowman Scholar and they can get their master's is if if a midshipman is ahead in their matrix. So like if they validated courses,
1: so they had a lot of space their senior year.
0: Yeah, then they can apply to graduate school and they can begin graduate school the the spring semester or the winter semester of their first year. And then they come back, they commission and then they finish their graduate school and then they join the fleet when they finish their graduate degree. So that's always an option to uh, great kids that are willing to do all that.
1: And there's other, pro- there's, you know, different scholarship programs aside from the Bowman Scholar is... Um... I believe, I think it's not just subs. I think it's nuclear specific though. So su- I think there might be some surface warfare that get Bowman's, but generally it's subs. So they go and will get, be able to go to get their master's. There's Trident Scholars. So there's mm-hmm. several master's scholarships that they can apply for if they are, you know, if they fit into what the requirements of the scholarship. So we've had some Rhodes Scholars mm-hmm. from yeah. the Naval Academy. So there are definitely avenues to get their master's before they- after they commission, but before they really start their whatever their service selection Your is, service, yeah, and then the Navy will often send send them back as they sort of end their commitment. But whether thinking whether they're going to s- decide to re up, they may offer to send them to get their masters at that point, kind of to encourage retention. So, like my oldest son ended up right before his five years was up, they sent him back to get his um, masters in operations research. Um, At the same time, my daughter was going for her Bowman scholarship. So they were both at Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey together.
0: Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, you you can visit two at once. (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah, of course, it was height of COVID. So we didn't even the one had a one year program. So we didn't even get to visit her while she was there. And then we were able to get to my son's graduation, at least out there. So that's, yeah, that's so, sad, but Monterey is gorgeous. So it was a nice trip.
0: I know. I love, I love Monterey. And actually we love the Monterey Aquarium. It's one of our favorites. So getting sidetracked, but <laughs> <laughs> squirrel. Um, and then if we can talk a little bit about the service term. So we know that the two for seven is finishing two years at the Naval Academy and then serving five, but depending on your community, you might be required to serve additional time. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So, well, aviation is probably one of the biggest ones. They go through their pilot training, which we just mentioned could take, you know, up to two years or more, and then they don't even start their their commitment, which I believe is nine, is it nine year commitment? For
0: NFOs, it's Six, I believe. Yeah, and that's from. Um, and Cleveland. yeah, the the yeah. clock doesn't start running. You're right until after they've finished flight school or their flight. Right.
1: So they're a good, you know, ten years in or so yeah. by the time they finish their commitments. Um, yeah, subs. It's I believe it actually starts as soon as they start school. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, if they go to NPS first, like my daughter, it doesn't start until after that. With her, in her case, her commitment for going to NPS was served concurrently. So it didn't add anything to her commitment. I think they've since changed that since she went through. So if you go to NPS first, it adds to their five-year sub-commitment. So they'll end up a little bit longer.
0: Something to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And also if sometimes if they, if they get their master's, it will add to their service commitment time. There are different things that they they can do that would add to their time, but it also enhances their professional qualifications as well. With that, uh, we've given a fairly complete picture of everything. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add?
1: I think that kind of covers pretty much everything. That's kind of a kind of a whirlwind tour
0: of the I last think, two
1: years at the Naval Academy. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think and I beyond. Think, I think we did a I think we did a pretty good job. Pat on the yes, back for me. you, Julie. Yay. Hey, thank you.
1: Thanks yeah. for having me again. I really oh, enjoyed no, it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for being here. And of course, you know the drill as we draw to a close. Um, I just like to remind everyone that there are about 22 podcasts out there that might be helpful for all stages or for all class years at the Naval Academy. This is just uh, the the most recent, but check those out. Also, my book, A USNA Man Moms Journal, is available at the MidStore right now exclusively, so you can call them or order on uh, Navy online and get your own copy to help walk you through uh, the journey and for commissioning planning and just to get an insight into what happens each year. And of course, uh, Julie, it's always a pleasure to have you on here, to have your expertise as a four-time Navy mom, and uh, for uh, just your perspective from your service experience is always so invaluable. So thank you for joining me today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Okay. And now we say go Navy. Beat Army.